Chapter 4, we begin reading in verse 35. And the same day, when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. When they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him, and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose, and rebuked the wind, and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? And they came over unto the other side. Well, probably if you've been watching the news, you know that hurricane season has begun. Naturally, there's a lot of folks here all along the coast this time of the year start thinking about uh, surviving storms. And uh, we're going to talk about that tonight here in a little while. And I, I always love it whenever I know that my message relates to everyone uh, in the congregation. And that's the case with this one, because I know that we all encounter storms. We can't escape them. We have to endure them. And, and as it is with nearly every message, there's always a whole lot more that could be said about the story than what we have time for. And, and so, I, you know, I want to limit my remarks. I don't want to uh, wear you out with comments about what the Bible says. And so I'm going to get right to the point. I'm going to try to stay on subject. And uh, it's a very simple story, but there are great lessons to be learned from it. Sadly, sometimes we don't know what the lesson is. Reminds me of a Charlie Brown cartoon many years ago. And uh, Charlie had uh, he'd spent several hours building this beautiful sandcastle. And so after he completes his project, he just stands back and he looks at it and he says, Wonderful. And while he's standing there admiring his handiwork, all of a sudden a storm comes up and it just blew that thing away. And so there he is standing there where his beautiful masterpiece once stood. And Charlie said, I know there's a lesson in this, but I'm not sure what it is. And, you know, sometimes we find ourselves in situations like that. We know Based on what the Bible says, we know that surely there's some lesson in this, something that God has planned for us, something that we ought to take away from it, but we just don't know what it is. And so some of you tonight might be facing a storm and, and, and you have no idea what it's really all about. Now, last week, I preached about expecting the unusual and it, it was naturally a story related to the sea. And we saw Peter being told to launch out into the deep and let down his net. And uh, today we're going to go back to the seashore. And this is a, another instance of something that happened there. And every time I read this, I always think about Squire Parsons 
uh, singing the master of the sea and i'm going to borrow that for the title of the message tonight the master of the sea i had some good friends up in cincinnati brother carl wyckoff pastored the philippi baptist church he and his family used to sing together and this is one of the songs they sang uh, just about every time and, and, and everywhere they went, you know, that people wanted them to sing. They were very talented people. Uh, and if, if I could sing, I'd, I'd just burst out in song. But uh, it's a wonderful song. He's the master of the sea. And we need to remember that because I'm telling you, as these folks were going through this storm, make no mistake about it, you're either in a storm, you're coming out of a storm, or you're headed for a storm. One of those three. You're either in it, you're just coming out of it, or you're headed for it. Because none of us are going to escape. And since we can't escape, we'd better learn to endure these storms. And here in this little simple story... There are some valuable lessons I think that we can all learn. There are three simple things I want to mention tonight. I want you to consider their, their danger, their doubts, and their discovery. I'm going to say that, and then I'm going to be through whatever time it is. Notice the dangerous situation they're in. First of all, we see the surprise of the storm. You know, sometimes we create our own storms, and then we get mad when it rains, you know, we, we get mad because we got a problem. We want to blame God. Well, I just don't know how God could be so unfair to let this happen to me because after all, I'm in church every week and I give more than a tenth of my income and I do this and I do that. It just doesn't seem fair that God would do that when in reality, like I said this morning, a lot of times it's the fact that we are ignoring certain maybe commands that God has given us to do. And let me tell you, your excellence in 90% of your Christian life doesn't make up for your failure in the other 10% of your Christian life. All it takes is one act of disobedience for us to re reap the repercussions of our rebellion against God, and, and there's no getting away from it. Now, the shocking part about this is that they are following the Lord, and they found themselves in the storm. That tells us that being obedient to God's not going to exempt us from problems. The, they are in the, the will of God and in the storm at the same time, a lot of folks, you know, think, well, you know, I wouldn't mind being a Christian, but I, you know, I, but, but if it'll help me with my problems, and, and I can tell you people have made that statement. I, there have been people that have said, you know, I'm going to become a Christian because maybe it'll save my marriage. I'm going to become a Christian because maybe it'll keep me out of bankruptcy. I, you know, I'm at the Christian life, you know, seems to work for others. I think I'll give it a try. And, and so they, they enter into it, make a profession of faith, usually a false profession of faith. But anyway, they, they think they're going to try Christianity with the idea that it'll lessen their problems. Let me tell you, the fact of the matter is, if we truly live for God, we're probably going to have more problems than we did otherwise. Problems of a different sort. But we're going to have problems. We're going to have difficulties. There's no getting away from it. So this is a surprise, and I've noticed that's the way it is in life. It's a surprise, but it was also something that was sudden. Notice it says, there arose a great wind. 
that tells me this is something that they were not expecting. You know, it's not like the Lord said, come on, let's go to the other side. And Peter said, no, 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 I just watched the news and the weather, and they said there's a storm brewing. They didn't get a weather forecast. They didn't have a report. You know, they, they, and remember, these guys are seasoned sailors. I mean, they're fishermen. They, they live on the water, as it were. And, and you know, red sky in the morning, sailor take warning. Uh, and, and, and so, you know, the, no doubt they had their little cute sayings and philosophies, and they, you know, knew somewhat they could look at the weather and, uh, and tell if it was going to rain, but this was this was sudden. It just came upon them, and I've noticed that's the way it is in life. That's the way it is with us as individuals. That that's the way it is with churches. Uh, we think about the I was talking earlier about Donna and, and 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 this terrible tragedy that struck, and now she's lost her grandson, and how awful that is. And it was so sudden. I mean, it just. One minute you're on the mountaintop and you are rejoicing and life seems good. And the next minute, wow, you're flat of your back and, and, and you find yourself in the middle of a storm. And that's the way it was with them. It was surprising. It was sudden, but it was also severe. Notice it says the ship was now full. That tells me things went from bad to worse. You know, I've been out on the water whenever there were some storms, and I've been out there when there was some rough water. In fact, I had to have back surgery as a result of a trip like that. Uh, and uh, so I, I know what it is to be out there when the water's rough, and it can get scary. But I haven't been out there, you know, and the boat get completely full of water. I at least always made it to land. Been a time or two I had to beach the boat and get out, uh, or or something might have happened. But, I mean, the boat is full of water, it says. And, and this is severe now. It's gone beyond just, you know, being a little bit frightened that maybe, you know, maybe we ought to, maybe we ought to head for shore. They're out there. The boat is full of water. The wind is blowing. The waves are raging. And, 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 and we need to consider the source of this because... I don't care how you try to explain it. You can say, well, it was just that time of the year, storms blow in, and you, you can attribute it to a lot of different things. But any way you try to explain it, God is either the cause or he allows it, one of the two. Uh, I, I mean, if you don't believe that, if you deny the providence of God, you've got some real problems because God's in control of everything. There are no accidents with God. And I realize that so many times we don't understand why God allows certain things to happen. And in fact, in my briefcase, I've got an article I've been working on about that very thing. The people that make false accusations against God, you know, and, and their, their mind just doesn't seem fair. Why would God allow sin? Why would God allow this to happen and that to happen? And, and let me tell you. Whenever you, whenever you think about being created in the image of God and you realize that God created us with a choice, there was a reason in that. Now, I'm about to get sidetracked from our point, and I don't want to do that, but I've already, I've, I've already dug my hole, and now I've got to get out of it. And, and, and you, you need to understand that. When God gives us a choice, without, without having a choice, there would be no way 
for us to be obedient to the Lord, there would be no way to love. You, you can't love unless there's a choice. I mean, if you're just a pre, pre-programmed robot and you just, you know, you're mindless, you're not even thinking, you just got to do whatever you're programmed to do, there's no love involved in that. And God, listen, God wants you to know something about the greatness of His love for you. How, how else could He explain it unless He gives you a choice? Right? So God gives us a choice. And whenever God gives us a choice, there are always going to be consequences of that choice. And because of the sinfulness of man, we a lot of times make wrong choices. But these guys are in the will of God. They're doing what God wants them to do. Now, remember, the Lord's in that boat, too. They're not there by themselves. So it's not just what they're going through. It's what the Lord is going through with them. And so, understand it or not, He is the source of this storm. And and He never promised any of us a life without storms. I mean, you can get ready for it because it's going to happen sooner or later. And the severity and the size and the sort may vary, but there are going to be storms in your life, and we need to be prepared. Now, that's the danger they're in. But notice their doubts, and there's several things about it. Uh, whenever I look at this, they doubted their con- his concern for them. They said, carest thou not? Now, that's just about as foolish as anything a Christian could say. Lord, don't you care? But, but that's where they are. And let me tell you, when we're going through difficulties, we're, we don't always think clearly. When we're going through difficulties and our emotions are disturbed, there are times that we're not rational. There are times that we act out of character, times that we say things we don't really mean and so forth. And so there's a lot of times without even thinking, because this is the way no doubt they feel in their heart, that if the Lord really cared for us, we wouldn't be in a mess like this. And they said, carest thou not? I mean, they verbalize it. Carest thou not? They, they're they doubting his concern and they doubt his commitment. They said, carest thou not? Notice the next phrase. We perish. <laughs> we perish. Now, the Lord has made a commitment that we'll look at in just a little bit, a commitment to get them to the other side. He is committed to them. He's committed to their welfare. Remember, he spoke to them about, he said, you follow me. And if you follow me, and basically he was telling them, you know, I'll take care of your needs and so forth. They've already heard that. They already know that. But now they question his commitment because it appears to them that they are about to perish. And they had good reason in one way to think like that because the boat is full of water. There's a storm raging. If something doesn't happen, they're going to perish But the Lord has committed himself to their care. And then notice they doubted his comment to them. He said, let us pass over. Let us pass over. Had they been paying attention, they they would have known everything's going to end well. He said, let us pass over. That means we're going to get there. But evidently they were not paying attention to what he said or they forgot what he said. And there are a lot of times in our life when we get 
in a certain situation, and, and, and it's like our mind goes blank, and we forget those exceeding great and precious promises that God has made. We're just overwhelmed with sorrow or grief or anger or whatever it is. And as a result of that, we're not living in the awareness of the promises that God has made. Listen, the Lord made a commitment to them, and he expressed that in that comment. That's why I read verse 1 of chapter 5. Because in that verse, notice it says, And they came over unto the other side. He said, Let us go over, and they came over. And whenever the Lord gives a promise, whether it's, you know, the promise to give you peace or the promise to supply your need, whatever that promise is, you can always rest assured that he's going to, he's going to keep his word. There is no reason for us to doubt because he can't lie, right? And he said, let us pass over. Fellas, we're going to make it. And I'm so glad that we can know the end from the beginning in our Christian life. We know how it's all going to end. We think about how bad the world is right now and all of the troublesome times in which we live and so forth. And a lot of times we get all bent out of shape because of that. And we have unrealistic expectations because the Lord told us that in peril, there'd be perilous times in these last days. I mean, he explained to us exactly how it was going to be. He even tells us about the tribulation that is coming and whatever. We have all of that information about the horrible, terrible times that's going to come upon the earth. Why would we expect it to be any different than the way that he said it would be? There's no reason to expect it to be any different than what it is. We listen to the politicians and the uh, major news networks, and we hear all of this stuff, and we think to ourselves, oh, I, can't, I just can't believe that we're where we're at. I can't believe people do what they do. Well, I can. Uh, I, I can believe it. I mean, th- th- that's just the way that it is with the people that don't know the Lord. But the point is, in the end, there's going to be a great reversal. In the end, it's all going to turn out right. In the end, justice is going to prevail. In the end, righteousness shall cover the earth. In the end, when it's all over, listen, God is going to fulfill His purpose. It might not seem that way at the moment, but it ain't over yet. God's still at work. There's no reason to doubt. And whatever it is you're going through and you think to yourself, I don't know how I can get through this. There are people, you know, it might be somebody's wife left them or their husband left them. It might be that you had a child that died or a grandchild, a grandmother, whatever the case might be. Your mother passed away, whatever the situation is, and you're thinking to yourself, I just, I just can't go on. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. I know you feel that you can't, but we're not living by our feelings. We're living by faith in the one who promised that his grace would be sufficient to meet our needs. And with his help, you can do it. But expect this. Expect to get knocked off of balance and have doubts momentarily. Because it'll happen sooner or later. But it just doesn't look like this is going to end well. Well, it's not the end yet. 
you've got to wait on the Lord and put it in his hands. Now, notice their discoveries, the things they discovered out of this dangerous situation. First of all, when you look at this and you look at any any story that involves suffering and pain and agony and what have you, the first thing you learn is that our problems are tempered by the Lord. By that, I mean that it could have been worse. It could have been worse. It could have been a tornado. I mean, he could have just picked that boat up and just carried that sucker 50 miles somewhere and crashed them into a mountainside. It could have been worse. So many times when we think about what we're going through, if we'll stop and think about it a little while, we can almost think, almost always think of a situation that would have been even worse than what it was. We, th- we think about, uh, I- I'm Gene going to be with the Lord, and I know the family, you know, they're brokenhearted, and they're thinking about how difficult this is for them to, to deal with. It could have been worse. It could have been that she didn't go to heaven when she died. She's in heaven. We don't need to feel sorry for her at all. It, 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 it can always be worse, and it's tempered by the Lord. Whenever we think about, the Bible talks about him sitting as a refiner. And, and you think about that, that ore being, you know, put in the smelting pot, and there it's heated up and what have you, and I'm certainly not an expert at that, but they're separating the impurities from the ore itself, and and I'm told that whenever the refiner could see his reflection in it, he knew that the impurities had been removed. And he knew just at what temperature to stop it. And that's so very important to realize that God has his hand on the thermostat of your life. And he doesn't, listen, he doesn't let it get any worse than what you're able to bear in the sense that he is in control. So, so they discovered... They discovered that the the problems from God are tempered by the Lord, but also they discovered that the power of God is tremendous. We see his power in the storm, right? I mean, can you imagine the power of a hurricane, for example, and how could we, it's impossible for man to ever work something like that up? We could never ever do that. You know, we we, we could all get together and decide that we're going to line up on the beach in a certain time. We're going to blow as hard as we can or turn in all of the fan fans, and I'm, we put our best effort out. We don't have the power to create a, a storm. But the Lord does. And, and just, just to see his power in the storm itself, that is so amazing to me. But we don't just see his power in the storm. We see his power over the storm. He just spoke. Peace be still. He just spoke. And the wind lay down like a little puppy dog at his feet. And the storm ceased and they see here that how tremendous the power of God is they see that the promises of God are true he said we're going to the other side they got to the other side his promises are true you know it's one thing for us to 
read in the Bible uh, a promise from God. And it's another thing for us to actually be in a situation where we experience the fulfillment of that promise. In other words, you can, you can read Philippians 4, 19. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory. Uh, you can read that and you know that it's there and, uh, and, and you believe that God is honest. So you believe that it's really true, but you haven't really been in a situation yet that you know of to where, where you're really put to the test. Bev and I over the years, I know, have had to make some really tough decisions as related to serving the Lord. And there were times whenever we wonder, well, how is this going to work out? Uh, the second church I pastored, the church that I started, and and uh, it reached the point that I I had decided, and the people they were pleading for me to, to 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 go on full time to quit my job. It's really easy for somebody to say, "We want you to quit your job and be a full a full time pastor," when they don't have to pay the bills or buy the groceries or do anything. But they meant well because, and they listen. We just had a handful of people. They were doing the best that they could. And we decided to step out by faith. I went in to resign and told my boss what I was going to do. And he said, you've lost your mind. He said, you're crazy. He said, you can't even pay your bills on that. And by bills, I'm talking about the minimum type bills of your rent and your utilities and things like that. There is no way that you can possibly survive. What are you going to do? I said, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to trust the Lord to supply our needs. And God did. It, it, it was, I'm, you, you talk about a miracle. I mean, we experience that. Now, I bring that up to say this, that a lot of times when we think about the promises of God and them being true, it does us good to stop and to look back on some of the experiences that we've gone through and be reminded that God did it then, He can do it again. Amen. And so here we see they learned the promises of God are true. They learned also the presence of God is thrilling. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, they realize that whatever it is that we're in, he's in it with us. He, he, you know, he could have sent them out there and said, fellas, I want you to take off toward the other side. Yeah, give a little smirk and like uh, they don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to scare them half to death. I'm going to send a storm, and uh, and I'm going to scare him real good. Uh, or he, he, he could have reasoned, look, this is going to be really dangerous. I'm going to send them across first. I'll take a ship going over later or something. No, he's right there in the ship with them. And just to know that the Lord is in it with you makes all of the difference in the world. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And how many times, you know, we, we, we lose that, that sense of God's presence. I think we do that a lot of times in church. We assemble like this. We sing songs about the Lord. We preach the word of the Lord. And, and, and a lot of times our mind gets so occupied with other things, good things, bad things, whatever, that we just lose that sense of God being here with us. And it's so wonderful whenever you're in a church service and you leave there and the only way you know how to explain it is that, wow, boy, I'll tell you what, the Lord was there. Well, let me tell you, 
he's always here. The problem is not with him. The problem is with us. And we need to realize that wherever we are, in the hospital room, at the graveside, in the courtroom, wherever we are, there he is. And how thrilling it is to know that he is not going to forsake us. They learned that the purpose of God will triumph in the end. I was talking about that earlier. Talking about the fact that we think about the world that we live in, the difficulties that we go through and what have you. And sometimes it looks like that God's purpose is being defeated because we all know God wants a world where righteousness prevails. We know that. Of course he does. And, but it looks like we're so far from it we'll never get there. But he's not through yet. He's still at work. And, and God's purpose ultimately is going to triumph over the forces of evil. And then, you know, we see that the peace of God gave them tranquility. All of a sudden, there was not only a calm that came upon the sea, there was a calm that came to the saints. The chaos gave way to a calm. There was a peace in their heart. Even before, even before they actually got to land, all of a sudden, whenever he exercised his authority over the storm and he calmed the storm, and all of a sudden there was a peace in their heart. What a wonderful thing it is to be able to have the peace of God. Amen. The Bible speaks about that, the peace of God. You can't have the peace of God until you are at peace with God. If you're not a Christian, it's impossible for you to enjoy the peace of God. But when you are at peace with God, that is, whenever you've trusted Christ as your Savior, you're at peace with God. There's now no condemnation to you. You are at peace with God. You've been reconciled to God. And now the peace of God is possible. And what a wonderful thing peace is. That's better than money any day. A million dollars wouldn't mean a thing if you don't have peace in your heart. But boy, whenever God gives you that peace that just there's a calm, when everything else is falling apart inside, you've got it all together. And then to sum it all up, they discovered that the person of God is trustworthy. Notice what they said. What manner of man is this? Now remember, they uh, listen, they've seen him work miracles. Uh, they know who he is. They learned from John the Baptist that he is the Lamb of God. They know he's the Messiah. They've trusted him. They have forsaken all to follow him. They know all of that. But they are in such a state of shock at what they've just witnessed. They said, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? Keeping that in mind is a key factor in keeping a calm mind because the one that calmed the storm can calm the saints of God. He gives us a peace. Paul says it's a peace that passeth all understanding. In other words, it's a peace that you can't understand. It's a peace that you can't explain. It passes all understanding. By the way, your neighbor's watching, your relatives are watching, your co-workers, your classmates, they're all watching how you respond to the storms in your life. And it's such a wonderful testimony when they see you 
with a confident, courageous spirit and a calm heart. You're not wringing your hands and worried about how it's all going to end because you know that God is in control and in the end that it's all going to work out. I read the story, uh, supposedly a true story. I don't know you know how that is, but it was many years ago when a man was, uh, was out on a ship and a terrible, terrible storm struck. I mean, the ship is rocking. They're afraid it's about to capsize. And, and, and the man was at the point of a, of a panic, in fact, and he noticed this little boy, and the little boy was just as calm as he could be, just like nothing in the world was going on. And he looked at the little boy and he said, Son, how can you be so calm in an awful storm like this? And the little boy looked at him and he said, My dad is the captain and he's never lost a ship. Aren't you glad? that your Savior is the captain of the ship. He's the master of the sea. And he doesn't lose. He doesn't lose. We might be in a situation that is frightening, a situation that is painful, a situation that is difficult. But even in those most difficult situations, God is a plan. And, and so many times we forget what God is working to do. And Romans 8, 29 says he predestinated us to be conformed to the image of Christ. And there are some times that the Lord has to, has to do some pruning. Or there are some times that the Lord has to turn up the heat and do some refining. Times that the Lord has to allow us to be subjected to suffering, to pain and disappointment. Because God knows that in the end, it's that, that temper, if you will, that will make us the, the strong person that we need to be. But in the end, it's all about Him. They learn that the person of God is trustworthy. You can depend on Him. And I want you to leave here tonight with that in mind. And In fact, my prayer for you... and. And if you've never noticed this, I hope you'll mark it in your Bible. Romans 15, 9, or 15, verse 19, I believe it is. Romans 15, verse 13. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. I wish I had time to talk about that for a while. But that was his prayer for them. And I sat there this afternoon in my recliner and looking at that, and I thought to myself, that's my prayer for the folks at Lakeway Baptist Church that the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Let's stand. Father, how we thank you tonight for all of your many wonderful promises, how we thank you, Lord, for what you've already done, for what you've done in our lives, and each one of us can look back to a time and a place where 
where we faced a situation that seemed impossible and you brought us through. We faced a difficulty uh, that seemed so overwhelming that there was no solution, and yet some way or another you took that bad thing and made some good thing come out of it, and we're so grateful for that. Not only for what we experienced, but Lord, we're thankful for what we've witnessed in others, for the manner in which they trusted you, even through the most severe difficulties of life, they depended upon you, and you met their every need. But how thankful we are for your promises. Without any testimony of the world, without any experience on our own, but just to know that your promises cannot fail. And Lord, help us tonight to leave here determined with all of our heart that we're going to rest our weary soul upon your promises, that we're going to investigate and discover what you've said to us, that we're going to embrace those promises, we're going to rely upon your strength, depend upon your grace, and live only for your glory. But we ask it in Jesus' name. Now while we're standing and as we sing a verse of invitation, if the Lord's speaking to you tonight, would you come? It's 435.